0: Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome Howard Penrose back to the podcast. Welcome, Howard. Hi, how are you doing? Doing good. It's a pleasure to have you back. Now, many people probably recognize your voice and your name, but you founded MotorDoc. You've been heavily involved with SMRP, maintenance and reliability in general, focused heavily on the electrical side. Although super brief, what can you tell us about yourself?
1: Oh, let's see, um, been involved in the industry since uh, probably 1982 when I were when I was in high school working for Amoco Labs. Plus, I owned a car, you know, so you learn a lot <laughs> about moments uh, back in those days. But
0: uh, now you can't. <laughs> Not unless you're a computer expert. <laughs>
1: That's right, yeah. So, um, you know, taught at a university at one point, worked in the motor repair industry, designed electric machines. Uh, all kinds of things, um, been involved through IEEE, Institute of Electrical Electronics Engineers, um, at all levels, including, uh, Midwest Energy Rep in the mid 1990s. So I was involved in, um, power distribution through deregulation and things like that. And then, uh, a lot of work with the Department of Energy then. And then I've been involved in some technology companies since then, like, you know, Altest before, Empath now, uh, and, um. At the moment, uh, I'm on a number of IEEE standards committees for testing, and I'm vice chair of the ACP, which used to be the American Wind Energy Association, but now it covers wind, solar, hydro, everything else, vice chair of the standards technical committee there, uh, and also the powertrain committee. I, I sit on that one, I'm not uh, in any position there. So volunteering like crazy and working like mad. So uh, I'll be on a pipeline one day and a wind turbine the next. So <laughs> yeah, You definitely find ways to keep
0: yourself busy. <laughs> yeah, it's better than being bored. <laughs> yeah. I'm just wondering where you find time for sleep. What's that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's good to have you back. And what I want to kind of talk to you today about is transformers. And, you know, electrical assets absolutely critical to all of our operations, whether we're generating power, whether we're consuming it, you know, electrical life reliability is huge. However, I often find electrical reliability or electrical assets in general are sometimes neglected. Just a little bit. (laughs) So is this due to their, you know, inherent high reliability that, you know, kind of out of sight, out of mind, no recent, Dram- traumatic events for people, you know, why, why are these things neglected?
1: Because they're scary. Um, I, I, and, and a lack of understanding, um, you know, the, one of the things I ran into and, and speaking of Canada, I, I did a project for a large, um, company up there and, and they said, Hey, we'd like you to come in and help us put together electrical reliability program. We just spent, you know, years working on a mechanical, reliability program, we'd like you to spend a week on our electrical reliability program. Years versus a week, something seems a here. It, it does, especially when one transformer took out an entire facility um, while we were there and they were informed that there was like uh, oh 14-month delivery on a replacement. So um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's one of the big challenges is, is people don't realize, especially when we're talking about electrification of everything right now. Um, people don't realize the impact. Um, You know, what happens when the power goes out in your home or your office? You know, and you suddenly don't have access to your computer or internet or phone.
0: Well, Uh, I would say that depends on what you've done from a planning standpoint. Exactly. I have UPSs in place for my modem, router, computer, and then I also have a small generator to support critical systems in the house if there's an issue.
1: Exactly. You thought about the reliability aspect, and, and most do not, even in corporations. Uh, we're just now starting to see people here in the States, they're, they're pushing for when you build a condominium or whatever, you have to start thinking in terms of being islanded. That means that you have to have your own power generation or share it with a neighbor. So, um, you know, why? Because we know that the everything's aging. Um, yes, there is a reliability aspect to it. Um, we're talking about transformers, but even electric motors and, and other uh, electrically driven systems uh, tend to have a pretty good reliability, primarily failing first for mechanical reasons, even when they fail electrically. So uh, in the terms of transformers, um, one of the studies done by IEEE came out and said, you know, 30 years to 40 years average for power distribution transformers the average power distribution transformer in the grid has been out there for 50. So, (laughs) so, so all of a sudden reliability becomes an issue. And especially as we're adding things that were never planned on even 30 years ago. I mean, you don't think about it when you plug everything in, but the amount of harmonic, uh, distortion on the lines is huge. And a lot of those transformers were never sized for that. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of other things that are going on. And, and, you know, even when we start looking at the new technologies, you know, like wind and solar, um, I don't know if you knew this, but, you know, the, the transformers for wind and solar do not fall under standard standards. They're standard distribution transformers. They step up, but um, they, um, they don't fit the gassing because they're always running hot.
0: Huh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, and as a matter of fact, uh, one of our discoveries this last June in in um, doing some studies with wind and solar was the discovery that um, because they're so lightly loaded is a ferro resonance issue that's partially causing that heating, but it's also causing other problems, including early failure of the equipment and the drives that are associated with that equipment. So, um, you know, in addition to... to those components themselves failing, the transformer, they're also involved in the reliability of
0: other components within the system. So, you know, with transformers being a critical piece of our electrical infrastructure, regardless if it's within a facility, with it's in a utility, wind farms, all those other things, you know, what are the major type of transformers and do we have to address them differently if it's, you know, this type versus that type, or is it generally going to be the same sort of approach?
1: Yes and yes. So uh, you have dry type transformers, which are basically air cooled. You'll have encapsulated transformers in which the uh, coils are encapsulated in an insulation material. And then you have oil type transformers they're all used in different types of applications the most ones you might be familiar with in a standard uh, facility um you know a commercial facility would pre- primarily dry type transformers like at at uh, my facility um you know i've got uh two in-house dry, large dry type transformers and uh, of course the the pole mounted transformers which we just discovered we have an issue out there. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it, it becomes a problem when you monitor your systems, right?
0: <laughs> so, well, out of sight, out of mind, you right. start looking and, and
1: then you find all the issues. And those pole-mounted transformers, if, you, if you're if you going down the street now, because I'm involved in electrical reliability, when I'm out for a walk or when I'm driving, I'm looking at the poles. So I'll see pole-mounted transformers. I'll see, you know, dry, uh, I'm sorry, oil-filled transformers, distribution transformers in the local neighborhoods and so on. It depends on how they're running the power. It's either underground or, or on the pole. So, um, you know, those tend to be oil-filled. They have to cool. Uh, and, uh, and you keep them cool with oil. And you also keep the insulation system from degrading rapidly with oil. So um, the, the, that means that from a material standpoint, the dry type transformers and oil type transformers are very different from each other. You know, uh, the, in, the inventor and designer of transformers It's the same person who did electric motors. It's just the transformer is a a stationary motor. The secondary doesn't rotate. And a motor is a transformer with a rotating secondary. Nikola Tesla, uh, you know, came up with the concepts for both. And um, the principles are generally the same. It's kind of interesting. Uh, The only difference is with a transformer, you have to block, tackle, and do everything else to keep everything from flying apart. Because it wants to move. I mean, there's forces on the can itself in, a, in an oil-filled transformer. There's forces on the walls of a dry-type transformer. And, um, you know, folks don't realize that. There's spacing requirements. But, yes, the, the the testing between the two types is very different. So, you know, testing of a dry-type transformer, infrared, checking tightness, listening. Uh, if the buzzing noise is getting louder, you need to do something. Um <laughs> that means that something's moving inside there and movement is bad. And then uh, in an oil filled transformer, uh, I'd say the number one uh, test is an oil analysis. And then you have partial discharge testing, resistance testing, infrared of the bushings, uh, visual inspections for leakage, uh, vibration analysis, believe it or not, and electrical signature analysis also play a large part. Um, So you have those different, uh, those different things still comes down to mechanical degradation and and looseness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the old adage of keep it clean, keep it tight applies to both types of transformers. And then depending on if it's oil filled or dried, we're going to leverage oil analysis. We'll leverage, you know, ultrasound and infrared imaging for both. And then, you know, we're going to do some regular testing to make sure that, the transformer is operating as it should. It's not too hot. We're not getting too much harmonics on the lines. We're not having those types of things. And if it's oil, then we got a whole other host of things we got to look at like dissolved gas, moisture, um, insulation moisture breakdown, <laughs> all those other things. Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. Cause, uh, you know, in, in an oil filled transformer, you're talking about wood and paper as your primary insulators. I mean, for most existing transformers, they've gone to polys now. So you've got the different polyester type insulation systems going in and no systems. But, you know, I just finished investigating one a few years back on, on a mobile transformer in which they used um, uh, they used different oils in it than were originally designed and they didn't check to see if they were compatible. So the first, thing, the first thing we noticed was when we took an oil sample was all this red material. Well, that was the insulation. <laughs> it was coming apart. Um, you know, so uh, that's part of it is is making sure that, that you have that issue. And moisture is a huge issue because it ge- generates gassing and it generates degradation of the materials, rapid degradation of the materials.
0: So if we detect like a high level of moisture in the oil... Do we change the oil or is it a little more complicated than that?
1: It's a little more complicated because the minute you drain oil out of a transformer, the insulation will absorb moisture like crazy. So you end up having to dry the insulation system, usually with nitrogen, then keeping a nitrogen charge on it while you're adding oil. So um, And then you have to know the type of system that's in there, whether it's a bladder type or just a tank type. You know, where where does that oil go as it expands and contracts? Because it does. Um, and what type of oil do you use? So there are systems there to filter that and and remove the moisture from the oil. You basically hook it up and you run that oil through it. So, so, it's, so it's almost like, like a
0: giant filter cart almost that's not only yes. filtering particulate, but moisture specifically.
1: Yes. So a lot of transformers I've dealt with, including uh, mobile transformers, you don't have access to the oil ever. It's welded in. So, uh, you know, it's there for the life of the machine. Um, Yes, it will break down eventually. And yes, you can tap and get some um, material out of it. But you want to you want to and when you get that, you want to do your sample to send it out and verify, you know, things like
0: explosive gases because they do. (laughs) (laughs) And something about electricity, explosive gases don't seem to align very well. But those sticky gases, um, you know, will tend to get into the
1: insulation materials. And that's where you start developing your partial discharge. And that accelerates that uh, hydrogen or, you know, some of those other gases.
0: Yep. Right. Methane is yeah.
1: always a good one, too. But
0: you know. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio be sure to check out iridescio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value-added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridescio.com. So, you know, what warning signs do organizations really have to look for with transformers? You know, we mentioned IR, ultrasound, oil analysis. You know, do they have to have a good testing program for that or should they be monitoring, you know, voltage, current, power factor, all these other things or a combination of the above? How do they really make sure that they're keeping an eye on their transformers and they're ensuring some level of reliability? At a minimum,
1: um, you know, some people say more, uh, less often, but, uh, you know, quarterly uh, oil analysis uh, at a minimum and visual inspection. And then for the external part, including the bushings and connections, we're talking about oil filled right now. So um, you'll want to then do an infrared for that. That infrared will also tell you tank levels. Uh, you know, if you, if, you, uh, if you reduce the tank level too much, then you won't have oil flow through the radiator. Um, and that's bad. <laughs> um, the next step would be Going uh, voltage and current analysis. There, there are relays on the big, on the bigger power transformers, of course, for for monitoring things. But those, uh, and then uh, nitrogen pressures. If you have a nitrogen filled transformer, some will have bottles attached. I mean, it's it's quite complex. You know, you go and you look at, you know, because most people are familiar with looking at a motor. But when you start getting into your larger transformers, say it's a large facility you have very complex systems uh, for, for maintaining that um, nitrogen uh, blanket, for instance. So you want to make sure that you're, you've got some type of continuous monitoring on that or visual monitoring, somebody going around and taking a look. Um, then you get into vibration, ultrasound, partial discharge, and other testing when you get into those 12 kV and above transformers in particular. 4160. You're back to normal um, testing. You still want to do acoustic testing and, and vibration or electrical signature. That voltage and current will tell you a lot. In particular, looking now at harmonics and, and so on, um, because you have the types of transformers that are designed for it and those that are not. For dry type transformers, uh, audible testing as well as um, you know infrared. Uh, our big ones and voltage and current testing. I mean, we just did the the example I I kind of alluded to, I just did for the RAM review uh, last week as a a case study where we were monitoring voltage and current and harmonics for a distribution system. And we got a, a warning or an alert saying that you have a loose connection. And we went into the panels and we said, we can't find a loose connection here. So we traced the, the conductors out to the three pole-mounted transformers, discovered the utility because one of the transformers was faulty, had replaced phase three transformer with a completely different design transformer. Ah. So we had a massive impedance unbalance that's affecting the facility.
0: All right. So there we go. Proper planning, proper corrective <laughs> actions here. So, you know, a couple but, questions. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, that brings in yet another problem, and that's the availability of transformers. That was going to be my question. What is the There's redundancy really no planning? There is none. So uh, what's happened, especially for power distribution systems um, is that the Department of Energy Is working on some private and some public methods of having spares out there because utilities can't talk to each other. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, it's to prevent them from identifying um, competitive information, right? So you have all the antitrust laws that get in the way of reliability. (laughs) To be perfectly honest, Uh, you know, so so uh, they're working on ways to come up with. Uh, uh, an inventory of spare transformers that can be sold blindly between, uh, sites. So you don't know whose is what, but even, even in some large corporations that have large oil-filled transformers where they're discovering, you know, 54, 58, 60, 60 odd week deliveries on new transformers, they're actually putting spares in place, So they'll buy a spare in advance, set it out. And we're talking about multi-million dollar, um, you know, spare equipment that you have to maintain as if you were using it.
0: Yep. So with that being said, what does a regular industrial facility do? Do they stock some extra spare transformers? Do they create an agreement with maybe a supplier to help with some of this? How does a traditional manufacturer deal with some of these potential issues?
1: Um, That's the challenge.
0: Uh, you know, a
1: lot of the smaller dry type transformers, luckily, um, just like smaller electric machines, they're common enough that you can get a replacement. Okay. So, um, but you still have to go back to the original manufacturer because they're not drop-ins. Um, you know, that, that's part of the problem is, is there's very few where it's not like an electric machine where you go on and say, I need this frame size and plop it in, um, you know, and knowing that it's going to operate in the same way, no, the impedances are going to be different. All the other, you know, components of that, and it may not even have the same footprint. You know, so so those are considerations that have to be there. But yes, um, part of it would be partnering up with with a transformer company um, that can that has spares, or set up uh, partnerships, or look into the Department of Energy um, partnership for larger, uh, equipment. The alternative is to set up spares and, uh, you know, for the critical ones and the critical ones are the larger ones that can take down a plant. I just had a case, um, within the last couple of months, within the last four weeks, uh, where a company was saying, well, why don't we need to do this? Why do we need to do that? And they had two primary transformers for their facility go down, knocking out their facility. For about a week, so uh, you know it's it's uh, it's not as uncommon as you think, um, and the good news is that you know you
0: know when it's a transformer because it tends to be dramatic. <laughs> well, in a past life, I had I we, this company took over this facility, retooled the entire facility, and one of the first things I had to do was look at the substation. So yep. It was coming off the pole at. 27,000, 28,000 volts, something like that. Coming into the transformer, stepping it down to 600. This transformer was 60 years old when I got it. Yep, Hasn't been maintained in a while. So we had a couple leaks going on, did some oil testing, that sort of thing. And lo and behold, we had a lot of moisture in that transformer. So we brought in that big truck, sat there for like 48 hours trying to dry this, dry the oil out. But at this... Same time, this older transformer, there was a lot of other concerns with it. So we were seeing breakdown in insulation, the paper you're referring to, stuff like that. So we worked with that supplier that came in to help us dry it, see what they had available in their yard, should we need it. We worked out an agreement with them where if we couldn't get that one, we would get one that would work, but they had a large inventory of transformers a couple hours down the road. But that was 10, 15 years ago now. I don't know if that same agreement would, would hold water right now, given the, <laughs> the demand for certain things. But we yeah. had to put that in place to make sure we could, do, we could still facilitate and operate that facility should we have an issue with that transformer. And I don't hear of a lot of organizations going through that level of planning just in case mm-hmm. a substation goes. No, most of your planners are not electrical in general.
1: And even when you're electrical, very there's very little as far as power training out there in universities. Um, this is one of our big pushes at SMRP when we were talking about the um, skilled trades training and, and, and uh, you know, uh, engineering training in general and, and so on and so on and so on. I mean, really, people don't think about transformers until you have to. And, and the number of repair facilities out there for transformers is limited.
0: Because it's a, it's a highly specialized uh, area. Yep. Well, I'm an electrician by trade, and in our training, it was 750 volts or less. That's what we consider low voltage here in Canada. Yep. 750 volts or less. We talked briefly about high voltage stuff, you know, <laughs> but very, very briefly. It was don't go near it. Yes. And that was yep. about the extent of it. And I remember, yep. you know, air becomes conductive over a certain voltage and, you know, Enough to keep me away from it. In at least 10 meters away. Yep. Yeah. So, I'm in that boat. It's scary when you get to that bigger stuff.
1: Yeah. That, that large facility in Canada I was talking about, they were bringing in the 500 kV stuff. Yeah, so no. going into a switchyard was amazing because, you know, we had to go into the live switchyard and you're walking underneath the lines going, gee, I'm glad it's not humid today. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so w- the other question that comes to mind is, you know, we got all this. Re- potential redundancy planning that we're looking at doing. We got our basic inspections that we're doing, those types of things. Where does IIoT fit into this? Is there other tools that we can leverage from like industrial internet, real-time monitoring that people are using to help keep an eye on, you know, their electrical infrastructure, that type of thing? Or is it still just, um,
1: yeah, there, there's, uh, there's some vibration technologies. There are some oil, continuous oil tra- testing uh, technologies. Uh, in, in the wind industry, probably the more popular one is a company by the name of Poseidon. Um, there's uh, uh, partial discharge, continuous monitoring for your higher voltage systems. Uh, basically, a lot of the stuff we use for electric machines, you apply to transformers. Um, you just don't have the rotary portion. I mean, we're doing we're doing continuous monitoring with our system, you know. So uh, on transformers, it's incidental. We're looking both directions. So you know, when when we start seeing uh, certain conditions from uh, even harmonics appearing on the on the voltage side when when we're testing equipment, you start looking back towards the transformer. Um, if you're seeing impedance unbalances and and, uh, loose connection readings. Those are other things you have to look at. Um, I mean, heck, I've even used motion amplification on transformers, in particular dry type, to identify why they'd have continuous cable faults. Uh, We were at a facility in Iowa, and we went in and we... They said, we're constantly having cable faults. We pulled the panel off, did motion amplification. You watch the the cables literally moving up and down, rattling against the side of the equipment. Um, You know, there's, uh, in effect, there's specific uh, equipment meant for transformer testing, um,
0: but there's a lot of
1: our own technologies we use for other mechanical
0: equipment that you can use on transformers. All right. Excellent. So we have all these options to maintain these transformers, whether we're monitoring, identifying defects, that type of thing. Where do people go to learn best practices for setting up a maintenance program for transformers, you know, maybe switch gear, all that other stuff?
1: NFPA 70B is probably a good primer for that. Um, CSA in Canada and uh, IEEE in the States are probably the better ones for North America um, for that type of information. Uh, you know, there's there's even, I popped up a few here, so uh, let me grab those. Um, for for just troubleshooting and looking at reliability, because um, we updated this one nicely, um, that would be IEEE standard uh, C57125. Um which is called an IEEE guide for Mm -hmm. failure investigation, et cetera, of larger transformers. Um, Then now, uh, basically for oil analysis, because you've got silicone-type oils, your high-temperature oils that don't blow up as easily, uh, but of course then you allow the transformer (laughs) to run hotter, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Ester fluids and other fluids, each now have their own standards. Matter of fact, the old standard for... Um, for oil-immersed transformers is, was withdrawn. So, um, and there's even like C fifty-seven twelve, which should be out by now. Um, draft stand. Well, the standard test procedure for thermal evaluation of insulation systems for dry type transformers. Um, those are probably some of my favorite. Uh, if you want to know a little bit more about the design and troubleshooting. I just picked up this book recently as part of another study because it covers dry, encapsulated, and oil type, and this is published actually in 2021. Uh, it's called "Power Distribution Transformers: A Practical Design Guide" from CRC Press. I've got I've got a library of transformer books. This one was probably the easiest to read. Um, those are probably some of my favorite sources.
0: All right, excellent. So if they're starting off, you know, start with the NFPA seventy B, maybe look at some of these IEEE standards, yep. and then just slowly grow from there based on what you're learning, what you're seeing. But it's a con- it's a continuous evolving process, like every other maintenance program.
1: Oh yes, yeah. It, it it should be, and it should be addressed because you might have an electric machine that causes you, you know, like in the auto auto industry, they'll have uh, they'll have EPA electric machines that that they worry about but it's that one transformer that takes down the whole plant right um it's a little different and then you're talking about losing a production line versus losing the whole facility you can have all of the you know backup generators you want but if they're feeding that same transformer i've experienced this (laughs) (laughs) and it goes down uh then you're bringing in portable power uh, so there's, there's uh, and that's, that's a, that's one of the things to consider too, is, is making sure that you have access to plug in critical systems on the secondary side of your primary transformers, you know, like uh, emergency power and everything else coming in, yep. um, you know, but that's, that's, those are the primary things um, for those who are interested in the history of, cause I found out this book got reprinted. It's a little book by a gentleman by the name of Nikola Tesla, published originally in um, 1893 uh, oh, or was it 98? Um, yeah, I, 1893. You know, Barnes and Noble put it back out again. And uh, it, actually, it? it actually goes through the history. Pardon? What it's was uh, Nikola it? Tesla, The Inventions, Researches, and Writings. And um, yep, yeah, and it was uh, written originally by T.C. Martin, who was a who was a friend of his. And in the first chapter, it talks about electric machines, and the second chapter it talks about the transformers.
0: <laughs> Perfect.
1: Yeah, and the, and believe it or not, it's kind of funny because we're doing a, we're using the exact same theories,
0: <laughs> no changes whatsoever. Well, it proves that what he developed. It- was well done and you know applies to modern day stuff now we just have to learn how to deal with some of these other new modern day issues like harmonics and everything else
1: oh and and all the new i mean we discovered um as part of the new distribution systems that if we build continue building them traditionally we're going to see an increase in failure of the new clean technologies we're putting out there
0: because the systems that protected the old damage the new so continuous continuous learning is what the name of the game is now. Yep. So, exactly. So Howard, we've talked a lot about transformers. What's the one thing you want our listeners to take away from this conversation today? What do you want them to go do, learn, apply? Well, first thing, get a hold of the NFPA
1: seventy B. Go to the transformer section and start applying the basics. Uh, you know, include your dry type transformers in your in your uh, infrared route you know, your internal distribution transformers right off the bat. And then begin looking at, um, oil analysis. If you don't have a transformer program, that's going to be your first thing. Uh, be prepared. It's going to scare you. Um, I've, I've been in plants where there's been no program and we start applying and, and, um, you know, they learn very quickly that that they're right there within, you know, minutes or hours of, of being out of business. So, um, you know, when you do start looking at your reliable electrical reliability program, first area to look is your supply, right? So that would be your yep. transformer, and then start looking at what's feeding it, um, because that can have an impact on on the life of that system. Uh, also, have seen that in action. So um, those are those are primarily the areas that I would I would say you know take away is get started if you haven't <laughs> and uh that uh section um in uh in nfpa uh 70b is actually well written um it uh it it does outline exactly what you need it's a section 11.11 and it's not that long
0: all right excellent i want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us about transformers today but before we go where can people find out more about you motor doc all those great things you chat or we're talking about uh
1: primarily uh either linkedin um, under motordoc.com or uh, via my website uh, www.motordoc.com
0: all right excellent i will be sure to link to those in the show notes howard once again i want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today about transformer maintenance how we ensure transformer reliability. It's an overlooked thing that I see in a lot of facilities and hopefully we'll get people moving in the right direction with this. So thank you so much. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.irridescio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.